Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. All right, boys, I tweeted last night after last night's finals game, game five victory in which Andrew Wiggins realized his full potential in back-to-back. Andrew Wiggins is literally realizing his full potential as a player in the middle of the NBA finals, mm-hmm. in must-win finals game. And I tweeted after the game last night, I was genuinely thrilled for Andrew Wiggins. You know, obviously would have been nice to see him do more of this in a Timberwolves uniform, but super happy for Andrew Wiggins. Here are some of the responses I've received from Timberwolves fans who clearly still harbor resentment over Andrew Wiggins. This is just a sampling, by the way. Oh boy. Thrilled for a guy who the franchise threw money at and all we got was mediocrity? Wow. I guess you're a better man than I am because this performance infuriates me. Why does this make you happy? He just didn't give a bleep when he was with the Timberwolves despite making max money, and this shows it. You're thrilled for a guy who coasted through many seasons with the Wolves while just being paid max money? He's a glorified Harrison Barnes. I think the Warriors won a championship with Harrison Barnes. I think, so. I think they did, yeah. He's a good yeah. role player. Yep. Uh, why would real Timberwolves fans be happy? If anything, this just proves Andrew Wiggins had it in him the whole time, and he didn't give a bleep in Minnesota. Oh. So we've, we've got you know a chunk of Wolves fans resentful of why wouldn't he do this in Minnesota. You know, I, there's some of that that I harbor as well, but I'm genuinely happy for the way that he's performing. And you've got Andrew Wiggins just becoming the perfect piece for a potential Warriors championship here, just validating their side of the trade, right? Meanwhile, yesterday, the ringer in their latest mock draft floated that the Timberwolves are, quote, shopping D'Angelo Russell. D'Lo responded on social media by saying, hey, world, I'm shopping. So he, he acknowledged that there's shopping of some kind going on behind the scenes. So I guess I'd like to throw all of this in a giant stew for you and – and uh, and we can we can chew on this. So Wiggins realizing his peak potential in the middle of the NBA Finals, yeah. And D'Lo being shopped around after getting benched for the final five minutes of a decisive Game Six in the first round. So first of all, I would like to say that there are many franchises, professional men's franchises in this town that have made awful blunders that have been terribly run. The Wolves qualify on terribly run. <laughs> But I think that so I think the easy conversation is, well, why couldn't this have have 
happened here? Why couldn't Wiggy have achieved this success here? But I think that this is a really interesting discussion, and I think it's layered. Um, David Ortiz was a screw-up of epic proportions and will forever scar a certain generation of sports fans in this town, okay? And I actually think the Ortiz one is pretty black and white. They screwed up. They gave away a player who, as Phil has said, I think since the day that we started this show is basically Babe Ruth. At least the the Red it's Sox worse. got something. Yeah. So, and I'm Red with Sox you. Red Sox got some money. Yeah. And I'm with you. The Twins just screwed up. There is no like, oh, but what about this? I think the Wiggins conversation to start there is far more in depth and far more intriguing. And I tweeted this last night. I firmly believe that what we are seeing, and there was no question this guy was talented. So, like, the talent's not like, oh, I never saw the talent. We saw a talent. But I tweeted last night, and I wrote a column about this at the time, and I stand by it because it is a red flag of the first class. When Wiggins' rookie season, he was good. I don't think he was great, but, I mean, he's, you know, he's young, and so you don't know at that point exactly what to expect. And then he goes in, and the Wolves go into Cleveland, which had, of course, traded him. And he has a massive game. Like, he just cleans up. You're like, oh, my, oh, wow. And he said after that game, this was a motivation game. And I wrote a column off the fact that, watch out, that's a very dangerous thing to say. Now, I do not expect 82 great games, right? But when you are literally going to cherry-pick your moments— which was what he was doing. And that was sort of the start. He was cherry-picking his moments of when to apply himself at his best. That is dangerous. And I don't think that this is tough as far as the finals go. The dude has talent. And when he's called upon and empowered, he is going to and has the ability to play well. So, like, nothing he's doing now is like, he never did that here. He actually did. He just didn't do it enough. He also was a foundational piece here. In Golden State, he's part of the pie, part of the puzzle, but he's not this consistent foundational piece. And the last thing is, if you want to be mad, be mad at the Timberwolves, and this is why it's good they're being sold. This is why it's good they're being sold. Because the culture of this franchise has dragged many a player down. Andrew Wiggins, motivationally, didn't have it here. Golden State's a different animal completely. I mean, that's a, a it's a great culture. It's a great coach. It's a team that spends. Um, so is this surprising? No. Do I think that this discussion goes well beyond the Ortiz discussion? Absolutely, I do. Yeah, there's so much to unpack here. And we're going to, we'll loop this back around with, the Delo stuff that came out yesterday too, because it all it's all kind of intertwined. We're we're putting one old girlfriend chapter to bed here, right? With Ugh. Wiggins blowing up in the finals, and we're talking about the <laughs> the latest future ex girlfriend in D'Angelo Russell. But you you ask, you know, why why couldn't this have happened? A lot of Wolves fans. So, well, why couldn't this have happened here? Why? And and Wiggins deserves a huge chunk of the blame for just sort of licking his finger and sticking it in the wind for when he wants to play that way. And I think in our text thread last night, you said, you know, he used to do this against the Cavs. You would do it against other teams, you know, national TV tonight against the Warriors or something, and he's going to prove himself. And he, and he could do it on any given night. He could go drop 25 or 30 points, 
And if he wanted to go grab eight or nine rebounds, he could. Usually he would grab two because, you know, he just kind of coasted. Um, but the finals are the ultimate motivation, right? Everyone's watching. You're, this is your career legacy. If you're gonna be, it doesn't matter who your opponent is. You're just going to be motivated to play that way in, in the finals. Um, if this would have happened in Minnesota, it would have required Andrew Wiggins to lead it. Right. He would have had to have been the foundation. And that was just too much of a burden for him to take on. And that's I think that's the resentment that Wolves fans feel is, well, why couldn't this have happened to me? Well, the only way it was going to happen is if he had a different personality and wanted to do that every single night and be the leader, the vocal leader, the front face of the, the front uh, face of the franchise or whatever you want to call it. So part of it's on Wiggins himself, but at the same time, he walked into an organization that Flip Saunders was, they had to beg Flip Saunders to come back and save the organization from years of David Kahn and Kurt Rambis and falling asleep on the bench, Rick Adelman at the end of his career, right? And so he walks into this chaotic, just ridiculously terribly run organization and his peak potential wasn't maximized in part because of that. I don't even know if they've maximized Carl Anthony Towns' potential yet because of just some of the residual organizational chaos and crap that he was part of. You know, it's like Carl Anthony Towns came out better than Andrew Wiggins, but he came out as kind of a like 20% broken version of himself. You know, what would his personality and confidence be like if he were drafted into the Spurs organization or the Warriors organization, right? And just more of a joyful, uh, put-together collection. So I guess I look at all of it and say, yeah, it, it does drive me nuts that Wiggins didn't want to do that more often as a Timberwolf, but that wasn't his personality as it turned out. Uh, they lit a bunch of money on fire, hoping that he yes. would turn into something that he wasn't. Yes. And at the end of the day, he just needed to go be the third or fourth thing on top of a foundation that already existed. A lot less pressure. The thing is when he performs like that last night and in game four, mm -hmm. we celebrate it. We bump his, his NBA finals, MVP odds up. They're up to 18 to one. Now MGM Sportsbook. But if he didn't play that way, if he just had kind of a normal Andrew Wiggins game where he goes for like, you know, 14 points on four of 11 shooting and, you know, grabs five rebounds, he was he's not going to get savaged in the newspapers or on TV. It would have just been like, oh, this is, you know, this is kind of who Andrew Wiggins is. About. I mean, this is house money for him in terms of pressure. Yes. And he is over delivering on top of expectations, as we talked about on yesterday's show. Yes. And I'm, you know, and I'm just sort of at peace with it being a diehard Timberwolves guy like. It was. I I am genuinely happy for him. It was never going to happen here. Like Ortiz, you can say, well, if he had stayed here, he's going to be damn good, right? And and they they pulled the plug far too prematurely on Ortiz. So that's one where you look back and think, okay, that's a massive screw up, and you missed out. If you think for one second that Wiggy was going to stay here and develop into the guy that we saw last night consistently, and by the way, he would have had games like that. But if you think this is him now and they screwed the pooch here, you are 1,000% wrong. Now, if you want to be mad at him for not ever fully achieving, and he's doing the same thing uh, in, in Golden State to a certain degree, he's never going to achieve consistently what a first overall pick should achieve. But he is going to occasionally be great. And, yeah, the stage, I mean, think about it. It was a motivational game. What is more, to your point, motivational than ABC two teams left June 
So this does not surprise me. Um, and it also drives me absolutely crazy because every one of us first guessed this and thought this is one of the stupidest things. Every one of us said when Glenn said, I want to look him in the eye and say, are you going to give it? Because he was talking about what we saw last night, right? Like that, that was what Glenn was talking about. Am I going to get that effort every night? And we are like, there's no way you're going to. We've seen enough. Mm-hmm. And Glenn's like, he looked me in the eye and told me that. And the Warriors, by the way, aren't getting that effort every single night either. I think they're getting a more heightened version of the effort on a regular basis. But it's kind of nice when you have a role player on your team that you can make work salary-wise because you're willing to spend the luxury tax. (laughs) But you have a role player on your team that any given night can just be the best player when he wants to be. He can just go off for 25 points and 13 rebounds when he wants to. So the last two games, he has grabbed more rebounds than in any game ever with the Timberwolves. Back-to-back games, 16 rebounds, 13. His, his Wolves high was 11. So to loop the D'Lo thing back in here, yeah. this is the crazy thing. Wiggins has obviously been, I don't know if I would say a better piece. for the, He's been a perfect piece for the Warriors. Let's just say that. He's been a perfect piece for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. I think D'Lo at times has been a perfect piece for the Timberwolves throughout a large chunk of last year. And I think D'Lo has a bigger impact on the Timberwolves winning this last year, finally getting to 46 wins in a playoff appearance, than Wiggins would have. If you would have run that whole thing back last year and you take D'Lo off the team, maybe you bring in like a some other point guard or something, but you, you move D'Lo off the team, you put Andrew this version of Andrew Wiggins on the team. I don't think you're getting as good of a version of Wiggins on this year's Timberwolves as the Warriors are getting. So, you know... Maybe he's a more perfect fit, Wiggins, with the Warriors because ultimately they need his performances to win a championship over Boston in this series. But I don't think the Wolves go from being 25-30 wins to 46 wins without D'Lo. And now the next question is, as they're reportedly shopping him, according to The Ringer, and by the way, Mark Stein, who has his own platform now, his own newsletter, he put out a report like a month ago that said the Wolves are very much expected to unload the last year of D'Angelo Russell's contract at some point. So you've got, you got some heavy hitters here now sniffing around this over the last month, and maybe some of it's educated speculation. But to me, the biggest question is, if you're looking to go from 46 wins to, let's say, 56 wins, which might seem unattainable because I think it's only happened one time in franchise history, the 2003-04 KG MVP season, is D'Lo part of that ascension? Because to me, it's not good enough. Oh, the Wolves got to 46 right. wins. Let's park it here, baby. Let's just keep running this back, get to the play-in. I mean, the next step, you don't, you don't double Tim Connolly's salary and pull him over from Denver to just preserve 46 wins. They're looking to get to 50, 55-plus and get to that next level at the top of the Western Conference. Is D'Lo part of that ascension? That's, to me, that's the first variable they have to figure out over the next few weeks as they enter the chaotic offseason process. I think the pretty simple answer to that question is no. I think when you bench a guy who is a starter, who is seen as a star, who who is basically a max player, I think when you bench him for the end of a playoff game, um, that says a lot. And look, the one thing that I'm going to like, I think, a lot about Conley, and Finch has proven this already, they're not screwing around. Like, this is no longer Camp Wolves. Hey, I hope this works out. These guys are serious. Like, I do have, for the first time in a long time, you know, Flip, I I felt this too. But I feel like this team knows the direction and what it wants. And most importantly, I feel like, at least from a basketball standpoint, we're going to get stability, which I know is amazing. But 
I think when you bench D'Lo for the end of that playoff game, it spoke volumes. Because that is a, how can I put this, a vote of no confidence. Like that is, uh, you are hurting us so much you can't play. And it's a playoff game. And that's a huge statement. And I don't think Finch does that without thinking about what that means. Like, yeah. I like I don't think Finch goes Tibbs and gets pissed off and pulls him and then says, ah, it's all fine. Yeah, because you know that it's if, if, it, if you lose, it is the last thing that everyone's going to taste and remember going into an offseason of uncertainty. Right. So that's like, to your point, Finch made that decision, and he probably made it largely just in the moment. Hey, he has not played well in the series. I don't think he was actively thinking as much about oh, how is this going to land in two months from now when we have to figure out what to do with him? But that's part of it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bench him, and if we don't win this game, he's going to go into the offseason thinking about how he didn't play in the last five or six minutes. And the organization is going to think about, boy, he wasn't able to stay on the court right. for the last five or six minutes because <laughs> yes. he, he wasn't good enough. He wasn't good enough. So, yeah, I don't on a 56-win on a team, as we can, if we can put ourselves in that alternate universe of the, the next step of Timberwolves basketball, I can see Anthony Edwards as one of your two best players. I th- I almost think he has to be. He has to ascend, and the team has to sort of follow him. As much as Towns bugged the hell out of me in that playoff series, just disappearing and shipwrecking games three or four times, he's so talented. He's going to sign a super max extension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could I see Carl Anthony Towns as like the second guy on a 50-plus win team? Absolutely. This is where you got to figure out, how does D'Lo fit in? I just, I don't, he certainly doesn't fit in at $30 million a year. And I don't think his ego is going to allow some sort of a, a, a pay cut at this point. So I just don't know that there's a scenario where he remains a Timberwolf on a team that aspires to move into one of those top three or four seeds in the Western Conference. And I think Tim Conley probably, along with Finch, looks at D'Lo and says, yeah, I don't think so here. Um, but that being said, let me make this clear. I don't think that the Wiggins trade, if you go back now and think, well, the Wolves should have gotten more, D'Lo might be traded. I don't think that was possible. I think Andrew Wiggins' reputation around this league means or meant that you were going to get what you got. So, like, Gerson didn't get ripped off. It's not like, how could you not get more now? Um, I also think to go back on, on that, and this is really where the Towns thing to me becomes an interesting intersection of the conversation with what's gone on in Golden State. Think about the stability that Wiggins has in Golden State, starting with the coach. I mean, Steve Kerr is incredible. He is incredible. And he has the ability not to say, look me in the eye and tell me you're going to play hard. He has the ability to get out of players, and this is what great coaches do, get out of players what he needs at the moment, right? So, like, Steve Kerr's not sweating. I just looked at the box score of the March 9th game, and Wiggy disappeared in that game. He found he, He's finding a way to motivate and get what he needs in the moment from the player. Now let's go to Towns, Phil, because you brought up a really interesting thing, and, and I think Finch can do it, but I'm curious. I've got a little bit of doubt now. But to your point, where you said, I don't know if the Wolves have maximized Towns yet, which is probably very true. My question becomes, okay, can they? Because if they don't, they're never going to get to where we ultimately want them to go. And then most importantly, if people say, well, give give us an example where Towns was not maxed. 
It's oh. simple. The playoffs. Like I'll I'll well, just look at the playoffs. Yes, a hundred percent. But let's let's even let's even zoom further out. So Steph Curry has realized the best version of himself. You think of him out of Davidson and the questions were, boy, he can shoot, but is he really going to be the guy that runs an offense? Can he is he going to be a liability on defense? He's so undersized and scrawny and small and like all of the questions about him subsided after about two years, and he has become the greatest shooter and initiator of of three-point offense in the history of the NBA, right? If I were to tell you, okay, Carl Anthony Towns, he's not coming from Davidson as an undersized guy who has some skills. He's coming from Kentucky. He's seven feet tall. In fact, they withheld his biggest weapon at Kentucky. They didn't let him shoot threes at Kentucky. But he's the greatest seven-foot shooter in the history of the NBA, (laughs) percentage-wise. And he can handle and dribble drive like a guard. He can initiate offense from the top of the key. He can do crossover dribbles in Euro steps, get into the lane, and score from anywhere he wants to. He can post up. He can fade away. And he can block some shots. Is he a Rudy Gobert-level defender? No, but like when he applies himself, he can definitely wreak havoc defensively. All of those things. And going into, what, year seven or whatever it is? He's not regarded as one of the 10 best players in the NBA. Some people might say he is. I don't even know if you, pull, if you, if you did like a, all right, take the, the top 100 NBA media members or top co- the coaches or whatever. And, I, and this is not just a dump on Towns. This is, more of an organiz, this is more of an organizational commentary than a Towns commentary. I don't know that he'd be in the top 15 or 20 if you literally pulled people that watch the NBA, cover the NBA, national publications. He's certainly not a top 10 player in the league, according to those people. Should he probably be by this point, based on all the crazy skill sets that he has? Yes. Now, is some of it on him for just not being able to stay out of foul trouble? Like, he leads the league in fouls and stuff, right? Like, some of it's on him. But when you are part of that many coaching changes and a death of Flip Saunders and front office chaos and Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler and they train wreck for a couple of years and Glenn Taylor, right? how would you maximize how would you be the guy like Steph Curry that just reaches the 99th percentile of his capabilities, right? Mm-hmm. It's probably not going to happen. There is no, or I shouldn't say this now, there previously has been no infrastructure here at all. Now, now I will say this. There are players who definitely have um, the the drive from within, right, to say, screw it. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to work hard. I'm, I am going to create the culture. I think it's very, very safe to say that Carl Anthony Towns is not one of those guys. And so Ant is. Ant is. In fact, you know what I would love to know privately? I would love to know how Cat and Ant are processing what they're watching in these finals. Mm-hmm. Because my guess is this. It might be completely unfair. My guess is Ant is like, oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. I see something there. I see something there. Let's bring it on. Let's start tomorrow. Cat, I feel like would say, "Man, Wiki's haven't look at what he. I should be doing that." I disagree. This, I think Cat. I think Cat wants it. Do you? Just okay. As bad. Well, I no. Think I think he pro- wants it. I just want to know what the process is of how they're processing what they're watching. I do think Cat wants it. That's fair. Yeah, I. I mean, I don't. It's hard to put yourself in a guy's in a guy's brain and skull, but I. Th- I think. It, I think Anthony Edwards. There's Doogie told a story that Anthony Edwards went to a couple playoff games last year. I think he didn't he go to like an Atlanta Hawks I conference forgot. finals game or something, and he was walking around the arena just like kind of seething, I guess, as much as right. a guy who's that happy go lucky can be seething. You no, know? it's got to be tough when you're 
you're sitting there for six weeks and you're watching Andrew Wiggins and Nemanja Bielitsa in <laughs> at least in Game Four play key minutes of an NBA Finals game to start the yes. fourth quarter, right? And I want Bielitsa that to, is out there, and you're not. You and know? I want that to drive Cat. Like I want Cat to watch that and think, I am more talented than any of those guys. Why are they they there? And I know the answer, but I want that to drive him. I want that to drive this entire franchise as far as looking at your talent, what you've got, and to realize you're not them, but you have the opportunity to set a foundation that can be like them if you do it right. A couple other things that the Wolves can maybe take notes on here, and then I have a couple other D-Lo questions for you guys, but uh, let's talk about our friends at Aquaside here. Now that uh, it's going to be 99-degree lake weather here, people are going to want to Maybe contact Aquaside, Declan. That's right, because you don't want to jump into a lake that has a bunch of you know lake weeds or algae. Ugh, you know, you don't that that feeling you get when you step on that lake weed. It's not 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 the best feeling, right? Not not a fan, not a fan at all. You should call Aquaside if that's your problem. Uh, they're a local company. They're in White Bear Lake. They have Aquaside pellets. It's a do-it-yourself product, but they also walk you through how to use it. And their products are safe. They're registered with both the EPA and the DNR. Shipping is even free. You can go. Uh, Check them out at White Bear Lake or just go to Aquaside.com to learn more. Aquaside pellets. Go check them out. Aquaside.com to learn more. Now, the Timberwolves may have had some performance issues in the fourth quarter of their playoff series against Memphis. If you're having performance issues, specifically ED, doesn't have to be an embarrassing conversation, guys. Valley Park Medical is here to help you. Valley Park Medical Clinic has a medical approach. You'll meet with a medical provider, but the treatments are surgery-free, drug-free, and non-invasive. It's a highly trained team that will meet with you in a discreet manner. Find out more information at valleyparkmedicalclinic.com. That's valleyparkmedicalclinic.com. One thing I was observing, and again, it's it's one series against Memphis, but I think you also saw it with Cat in the series against Houston a few years ago. What does it take to go deep in the playoffs? Well, you have to have good players, and you have to have a roster and cohesiveness and all these different things. But you also need players who actively rise up and elevate in the biggest games. You're you're kind of seeing it with like Wiggins kind of does it. Wiggins, when he wants to, can elevate above his baseline performance and give you an extra level of energy and rebounding, and some of it's because he's holding it back during the regular season. Right. And the reality for the Timberwolves is their two highest paid players disappeared a lot in the biggest games. You know, they both had a couple big games here and there against Memphis and D'Lo certainly against the Clippers in the second half in that play-in game. But, you know, Cat disappeared for three of the seven playoff or play-in games, just absolutely took himself out of those games. And D'Lo shot 33% and was benched for the final five minutes of game six. And so what, I, what I'm looking for is going forward, whether it's Cat or you know, whatever they wind up doing with D'Lo, you need guys who are just comfortable in those moments with who they are as players, yeah. playing together, and they don't take dumb fadeaway shots from 18 feet with a hand in their face. Yep. You know, They're just like they, they can slow things down. They don't argue with officials incessantly. I love the fact that the Boston coaching staff was lighting into some of their players when they would complain at officials last night. You know, like Marcus Smart and some of these guys just incessantly. And at one point, the coach pulls, I think it was, um, I think it was Smart. I can't remember what, pulls him over and says, you could read his lips, stop complaining to the officials. <laughs> like, dude, yeah. lock it in. You know, I just stop letting the moment swallow you up in some of these situations. Now, how much of it is they just need to be in more situations like that to get more comfortable versus an actual flaw in the way that they're 
that they're made up where they shrink in these moments. You know, right. D'Lo shoots 33% in the playoffs for his career. You know, what are you supposed to do with that? So I think part of the thing here, too, is, and this translates to all sports, but I think what you're talking about as well, and Golden State's uh, got this down, it's you have to look at the roster like a puzzle. And you need your pieces, your centerpieces, no question about it, Ant, Cat. But from there on out, you have to build a team, not like a fantasy team, where like, oh, we got this guy, and then we got that guy, and then we got... You have to get the parts that fit. And to your point, Phil, that is a guy who who might be good in March, but in May, flips a switch. And then it's like, oh my God, this is what we need right now. And I think that that's part of the problem with a lot of a lot of people now trying to build teams. And Conley probably has this down, but I think they're I think they look at the roster construction as who can I get, not personality wise, but like what does this guy bring skill set wise, which is certainly important. But I think that there's also a puzzle like aspect because we have seen this before. Guys don't fit. Like the Twins w- went through this in what two thousand. 18 and last year they brought in pieces that clearly didn't fit that's important so I think as as the Wolves build this thing out it's not like oh they got that guy he's going to be great it's like okay but does he fit the puzzle because in, in basketball I think it's it's not as hard because once you get your foundational pieces now it's not like you're trying to get 20 more guys right you're trying to get mm-hmm. so so you're trying to construct what is actually a fairly small puzzle but it's got to be the right people and right guys, and you don't need uh, necessarily redundancies, and you don't need guys who are going to who who might be great, but are going to shrink when the game gets uh, down to the wire or tough, which is sort of what D'Lo did. Okay, who on the current Timberwolves roster can you see in a year or two from now? Conference finals. I don't even know how to put NBA finals in the same sentence as Timberwolves. So I'll just leave it at deep in the playoffs, conference finals. It's game five. It's game six. It's a back and forth, hard nose series. You know, you're playing a team like the Suns or whoever it may be. Yeah. The Warriors, you know, if they're still relevant in a couple of years. Who are the players on the current Timberwolves roster that you can see elevating and like, becoming the best version of themselves to get the Wolves deep in the playoffs? I mean, Anthony Edwards is the top of the list, right? Yeah, Ant's on top. And yeah, I mean, Jay McDaniels is probably that second guy. I mean, he, I mean guy. And he had, but he had moments in that are, first series. Are you, series are you laughing because he's Declan's guy or why Why are you laughing? Should oh, no, no. The audience, I agree. The audience doesn't know why you're laughing right now. Because he's, he's, he's Dex's guy, but I, that's the exact t- type of guy who I think fits the puzzle. And he had, and he had those moments against Memphis in round one. He had a couple good games where he was amazing. And, and he was an athletic freak that kind of got buried a little bit in Washington and now has thrived into this nice defensive role, but starting to find his shot a little bit more. I mean, that's that guy. That, that, that's, you know, the yeah. Warriors getting Jordan Poole to become the most improved player in the NBA and him getting valuable minutes in the playoffs. Like, Jaden McDaniels is probably closer to being a Jordan Poole like that situation where you can get a guy that was a late first round pick that wasn't supposed to be necessarily a stud right away, but had a pedigree and was, and was relied upon and then showed up in big moments. I mean, that is their Jordan Poole. That it's well, is it, well, I would, I disagree. I think he's their Andrew Wiggins. I think Jaden McDaniels is what Andrew Wiggins has been the last two nights for the Warriors right. in like two years from now. Well, and all, and, a guy that if he, if you need him to grab you 12 rebounds, yeah. he'll do it. 
if he needs to get to the yeah. lane and score and get to the free throw line, he'll do it, play defense, and in face. Yeah. And Jordan Poole is a little bit more of a sib defensively, where J-Mac's bread and butter is on the other end of the court, and his offensive game is now catching up to his defensive prowess. But yes, it, 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 could, it could still be Wiggins by all means. So here, so here to me is example A, and don't laugh, about how this can potentially work. And I'm not saying that in two years this guy's going to be a, a key guy. He might not be here. But we saw it in the playoffs, all right? Jordan McLaughlin. If you look at what he came in and gave them, it was a very important piece of the puzzle. Like, that's the type of thing that I think as fans and in our job, we, we sort of dismiss it. And like, oh, man, he, he oh, rose up and played well. But, but the reality is this. What he did shouldn't be scoffed at. What he did was he came in and gave you at that moment exactly what you needed. And that's that's the type of thing I'm talking about. That's why this is not a you know rotisserie baseball. It's not a f- fantasy basketball or football team. It's an actual it's an actual putting together the pieces of the players and the people to maximize the culture there. Yeah, I so it, the the more I think about the Jaden McDaniel, so Jordan. Jordan Poole, the idea of finding a guy late in the first round and maximizing, yes. But Jordan Poole's a guard who's mostly just like an, a, a three-point shooting yeah. sniper guy. Yep. Jay McDaniels is five, six inches taller, can guard almost anyone on the floor. And I, the more I think about it, he really is. He's what Andrew Wiggins has become if he can maximize his potential. But I agree that he's on that list. So to me, it's Ant, it's Jade McDaniels. I mean, Towns, <laughs> I think. But he needs to – you can't just go disappearing for three playoff games. Yeah, I agree. So I think he's a little bit in question. I think Jared Vanderbilt's on that list. Jordan McLaughlin, you know, you mentioned him probably on that list. And anyone else, like Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell. You know, Pat Bev is on the list, but he's 33. So right. I'm kind of leaving him off for contract and age purposes. Right. You got a huge chunk of money between those. Those three guys are taking up. $61 million or something like that on your salary cap. So what can you use that money for this summer and next summer to complement the pieces that we think are going to be part of that rise? That's the question. Right. And I think on Towns, and this is tough, I think you have, because you're going to definitely sign him to the, to the extension, I think you have to trust that it's going to work and that you can get the most from him, right? So like in two years... I don't see a conversation where the Timberwolves are going to be near the conference finals in two years if it doesn't involve Towns. Like, I think it has to involve Ant and Towns. I think if you're saying, well, Ant, Towns is not going to work, like he's going to get in the playoffs again next spring and meltdown, I don't see a conversation of great progress. I'm not saying that you can't make progress, but I don't see the, oh, my God, the Wolves have popped up, and now for the first time since, what, 2004, they're in a Western Conference Finals. Yeah. If you can, I don't even know that I need more upside from Towns. I just need him to stop with the sabotage stuff. Just stop with some of the fouling and stop with some of the emotional outbursts and stuff. Just if if he can just cut some of that stuff out, I don't even need him to replace that stuff with like stuff on the top end. Just cut the cut the sabotage behavior out. That would be a nice start. Be in situations. <laughs> That'd be yes. a hell of a start. I know. Uh, I know we were planning on looping the wild into this. What can they learn well, conversation? That might be worth a standalone on a different day here. Sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. With and- Andrew Wiggins going off the way that he did. Uh, yeah, He's 18 to 1 for NBA Finals MVP. If he puts up another great game in game six, 
and Steph puts up another clunker where he doesn't make a three or something, and they still find a way to win. He might have to do it. They might have to have a game seven. It might I have think to be Steph two wins. performances. Now, Steph has previously n- never won a finals MVP, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah, I think it might. And he's been the best player in the yeah. series, but he was he was really bad last night. Like 0 for 9 from 3. Oh, the Celtics it, it were all a, over him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Wiggy, of course, stepped up. <laughs> Amazing. It really is. Amazing. Yeah, let us know. Let us know in the in the Score North YouTube comment section, which players on the current Timberwolves roster do you feel like you could see them being part of a deep playoff run in a year or two years from now? How many guys on the current roster are in that bin? Um, all right, Mackie and Judd, every single week we bust out the pecking order because we like to rank things on this show, sometimes random things, uh, sometimes a lot of things. And in this case, Judd has a 17-item pecking order for us on this Tuesday after watching yet another Twins victory last night. How could the Twins be winning games like this nice with win. such boneheaded decision-making up and down the organization, Judd? That was a nice win, that was a nice to put win that last night. Puzzle together. That was a nice win last night. I enjoyed that win. I'd like to see a few more runs scored, but that was a nice win. Buxton. Yeah. Nice blast start the game. Little center field. Yeah, that, yeah, he's fun to watch, man. All right, so I ranked 17 Twins pitchers. 17. I will start at the bottom of the list, but just to put a couple things or make a couple things clear here. Maeda Paddock, Stashek, Dobnik, and Alcala, who are all on the 60-day IL, are out. So, like, I, I didn't try okay. and rank them. Uh, because basically what this is is, 17 to 1, who do you trust? So, you like, know, I might actually trust Paddock elbow hanging by a thread over five guys on this list. Hey, yeah, so. well, you might. Okay. Hey, Chris, can you just throw an inning? Come on, man. On your hand. We don't care. Just, just throw an inning. <laughs> throw it as a southpaw. Let's see what happens. That elbow's good, right? Are you going to talk in depth about all 17 of no. these guys? No, no, okay. I don't even just have to. For no. pacing purposes here, I just want to no, know. No, no, I'm not going to do a uh, paragraph breakdown on the entire 17 man <laughs> list. Um, I will start off with uh, the one man who's currently on the pitching staff who did not make it because there was one who didn't make it. That'd be Tyler Duffy. Sorry, Tyler. You didn't make he's it. Not, wow. He's not even in the 17. He's not trusted. He is not well. I, a great guy. <laughs> not welcome in my bullpen. No. What? I left him off completely. Didn't, right. he, didn't he get right the other day? Hold on a second. No, he gave up a home run immediately against Tampa Bay. No, he didn't get right. I thought, he, I, thought, I thought he got right at some point. Well, yeah, he got right at Toronto, and then he melted down. It, it was a mess. No, he's off my list. Yeah, he's given up runs in three yeah. straight outings at this point. Yeah, they brought him in against Tampa on Sunday down six, or no, down like four rip or five rip to get right, and he immediately, as Provis was he, talking about yeah. it, gave up a home run. He's also issued a walk yeah. in I feel five bad of for his him. last six outings, too. I feel bad for, for him, but he's not on my list. I left him off entirely. All right, number 17. Wow. Number 17. He had the 5.87 ERA. Come on down, Dylan Bundy, because I had to put you somewhere. <laughs> it was you or Duffy, and I decided to go with Bundy. Wow. Number 16. Only one appearance so far, but he's got previous big league experience, and I think he might actually be okay for a while. Hello, Tyler Thornburg. Just Tyler up from St. Paul. I think he was with the Brewers a couple of years ago. So in back. one appearance, you have seen more to know that this guy is better than both Dylan Bundy, who's been in the league for a good amount oh, of time, God, and yeah. Tyler Duffy, who two years ago was legitimately a yeah. top 10 wide this is a list reliever of, in the AL. Declan, this is a list of trust right now. 
This isn't a list of trusts from 2020. Tyler Duffy's near love the, the top of this I list. I think he was with the Brewers one time. I think he was with the Brewers the a couple years analysis ago. Analysis here. He was good in 2020. Uh, he, he was with the Brewers six years ago. He was with the Brewers. Okay, 2020. That's also the last time he was effective in the major leagues. 2020. Who, who was he playing for? He pitched seven innings for the Reds in 2020. Okay. All right. He's number 16. <laughs> I have no on the He's list. been bad for six years. You know years. what? Tyler Duffy's been really bad for for the last month or two. He's off my list. Dylan Bundy, Tyler Thornburg, I will continue. Tyler Thornburg, Tyler Thornburg in 2019 had a 9.13 ERA well, in AAA. And you know what? I trust him more than Duffy right now and Bundy. That speaks volumes to where my current, this is a current list of trust. Current list of trust number 15. Caleb Thielbar. He's your southpaw from the bullpen, but I don't trust him. 548 ERA in 24 games going into last night. Um, I believe that the Twins, among the deadline deals that they need to make, another southpaw in the bullpen who's not named Caleb Thielbar. It might yeah. be Evan Sisk. This guy promoted to St. Paul. Okay. The guy in the J. He's actually been really good. I'll put him I, on I, the I, list. I didn't know they got a legitimate arm in the J. App trade. He's been awesome. Okay. He's a good lefty. Is he is he next on Judd's list? Nope. Nope. Next on my list. Hey, you this list is ugly, and I am more than willing to admit it. It's going to improve quite a bit. Number 14, this guy got off to a great start. Pitched last night and pitched well, but for the most part has fallen apart for the last month or so. Joe Smith. Coming from the side. Coming from the crafties. Coming from the side. He also started to get hit pretty hard. Joe Smith He's is getting 14. pretty old, too. Yeah. 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 I have he, to put him on the injured list or something just to give him a breather. Number 13, he's on the IL, but it's only the 15-day, which qualifies for my list. Ten appearances, ERA of uh, of one plus, so not bad. Danny Coulomb. Danny Coulomb is number 13 on my list. Okay. Number 12, Trevor McGill. <laughs> This is really sad. Yeah, like this, hey, you asked me to do this. Yeah. I actually, this took me like a half an hour to sit down well, here. They're winning, the, fact, the fact they're, that winning, they're winning, winning, they're winning games with these pitchers. Well, and I'm going. All you days, do so. is trash the organization every single day no. on this show, and all they do is overcome. No. I told you, I like the team. I like the players. I like the players. I think that this is a likable team. I oh. trash. I trash the front office at times, which <laughs> they deserve. All right, until you win a playoff game, number eleven. 108 ERA in seven games, Giovanni Moran. Yeah, he's the other lefty. Yeah. So I, well, Smelter's a lefty too, but he's in the starting rotation. I trust him more I, than Caleb, so. Yeah, Moran. Uh, Some of these guys have got decent a, He's stuff. got a live arm, as they say, but he, he I think sometimes he, he's. I love that term. He's driving a sports car and can't reach the pedals when it comes to control sometimes. So I worry a little bit about the. Uh, Sammy Deduno is what rate. you're saying. Yes. Very live arm. Just also couldn't control the baseball. All right. No. We are now to the top 10. Thank God. Uh, At number 10, also on the IL, but I think he'll be back soon. He's on a rehab assignment right now. Seven games, three starts. Josh Winder, who I think actually is pretty good. There could be something there. there. Yes. Yes. So I trust him at the number 10 position. On the pitching tree of trust, number nine, another guy who's been hurt but should be back fairly soon, Bailey Ober. Bailey Ober is number nine. Mm. Boy, I can't believe you got Cole Sands so high on this list. Cole Sands didn't make it because he got sent down. He's not on the tree of trust because I can't trust him because he's in St. Paul. (laughs) 
Number eight started last night. Don't know exactly. Like he gives you, it's not he's not imploding, but he can't go five. Chris Archer, like I, he's been he's not been terrible, but he, he pitches no, like he's, you know gives you four each time out or so. So Chris Archer, I think that's that's pretty much what he is now. You just that's what yep. that, and maybe yeah. they'll stretch him to five at some point. But yep. this is the most effective and durable he's been in at least. It's the most durable he's been in three years. It's the most effective he's been in at least three or four years. Mm-hmm. I know they're giving him innings, but I wonder, too, eventually if they just kind of turn him in. Because his fastball, I think, is still pretty – it's topping on, I think, in the mid-90s. I wonder if they can turn him into like more of a super utility kind of reliever, like down mm-hmm. the stretch as like a fireman that you can bring in in the five or six innings and, and give you some quality innings. Because he, he can't yeah. go far anymore. That's well, true. what's I don't know that I care whether the four innings come in the fifth through ninth or the if he's going to give you four innings and give up. These are his last few starts: four innings, no earned runs; yep. five innings, one earned run; five innings, one earned run. Uh, there's a four and a three earned run, and then four innings, one run, four innings. Like if he's going to give you four innings and give up one or two runs, I think you'd sign up for that. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of figure out. Just know that when he pitches, you got to figure out the rest of the game. Maybe it makes sense to put uh, what do they call the uh, when you bring a pitcher in to to pitch one inning at the start of the game? The opener. The opener. Maybe an opener in the Chris Archer games, and Ooh. then he pitches like the second through sixth innings, and then you get into the back part of your bullpen, and he doesn't face the best hitters three times. Oh. Mm. You no, know? I could see that happening at some point. I like that idea. So he's eight, mm-hmm. which I think is fair. Number seven on my list. He pitched last night. Uh, gave up a home run, but I like his stuff. Uh, Cotton. Jarrell Cotton. Jarrell Cotton. 154 ERA in eight games going into last night. I like the change Where is he up. ranked? Eighth? No. Seventh. Seventh. So the guy ranked seventh. You barely know his name. And I'm not ripping you. Say. I'm just saying. Yeah, this Jarrell is Cotton. Kind of, he just stayed on the Twins Cotton. pitching staff. I don't want to mispronounce it. Jarrell Cotton. <laughs> Jarelka, I've got it. I've got it written down right here. You see, I got the whole name written down right here. This whole That's thing. Nice. Yeah. Look at this. This is a. This he's is a thirty-year-old journeyman, right and he's yeah. the seventh most reliable twin pitcher. Dude, dude, make a trade for a pitcher. Well, yes. For God's sake. Don't land on me. You asked me to rank these guys. Don't be mad at me. I'm just telling I'm you. I'm not mad at my, you. I just think it's my circle I just think of it's trust. Funny. My pitching tree of trust. All right. I think you're probably not going to like this one as well. But given the way that this guy has pitched. I think he deserves it right now. Devin Smeltzer is number six. Wow. Devin Smeltzer has pitched really well. And here's what I like about what I've seen. I do too. And I do think regression is coming. But here's what I like so far. He's almost pitching with a defiance of this is what they think I should do. And I'm telling them what I want to do. Uh, Now, does that last? The team or or the opponent? Or who's he telling that to? The team. He said after his first game back, he said, and I forget exactly what the conversation was, but he talked about the fact that his wife basically said, you should throw this pitch more. And he's like, you know what? I should. And he claimed that he went into Wes Johnson in the meeting and said, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And he did and was good. And okay. Now I trust him even less. Okay. But he's been, you know what? Or how much you don't trust Wes Johnson. Yeah. Well, that's. He has been. All right. He's been lucky. Yeah. He is Scott Diamond 2.0. Yes. And statistically, I think what I would be the most worried about 
He has allowed a 194 batting average on balls in play. Oh, boy. Which is about 100 points lower than league average. So unless you think that he's just a master Who's negative at inducing now, weak contact. Who's negative? I come to you with a pitching list of trust on the Twins, <laughs> and you are ripping them apart. And then you say I rip them. Listen, all credit to Devin Smeltzer for dodging bullets so far this uh, yeah, season. Yeah, you're not but wrong. But what are we? Is the season number six on your list? If you're... Yes. If Devin Smeltzer is the sixth most reliable pitcher, and I'm not ripping this because I think you're probably in the vicinity here. Yeah. But if he is the sixth most reliable pitcher in your collection, you need to swing a trade before the bottom <laughs> drops out. Yes. ASAP. Yes, we know swing that. Swing a trade. For bullpen help? For starting help? Yes, absolutely. His expected, so his, uh, hit the nerd sounder again. So they have a stat called fielding. Feeling independent pitching is basically what your ERA is when you strip away luck and the things that you, the things that you can control essentially. The FIP, his uh, his expected FIP or his expected ERA in this case is close to five. So cool. I think there's a uh-huh. his actual ERA is uh, two point three eight. So I just worry that oh boy. maybe this is a little bit unsustainable for old Smelty. I crafty lefty though. But don't disagree. Crafty lefty. Maybe his, maybe his wife has some more. He said uh, live arm with uh, with one of those guys. Yep. Smeltzer, crafty lefty. Jamie Moyer. You know what? I I'm coming here with this positive list of guys I trust completely, and Phil is the one who's dragging it down, not me. It's bringing some bringing some uh, realism here. Top right? five. Call it negativity. Call it what you want. Can I get to the top five now? Yes. Sure. Number five. Emilio Pagan. No. Uh, pitched again last night. High wire act. He loves he loves to take you to the edge of the cliff, but, you know, more often than not of late, he's not falling off the cliff. Um, what, <laughs> nine nine saves now? So, um, Emilio Pagan, I don't really trust him again. I'll, I'll stop Phil before Phil tells me I shouldn't trust him and say, I, I, I don't I trust, really trust, I trust him, him that much. I trust him more than you do. But, uh, yeah, he's Emilio Pagan. He falls off the cliff. His biggest issue was in the first month of the season, he issued like basically a walk, more than a walk per per inning. So in his last uh, 13 innings pitched, he's only allowed two walks, 17 strikeouts, two walks. So he's got the walks under control, Mm -hmm. which means uh, he's much more trustworthy. I think he did walk a guy last night, right? Yes. That was his second walk since May 8th. Okay. So he's uh, he's in the trust tree once again. Okay. Number four, out of the bullpen again. And I think this guy is is had a really nice year. Griffin Jacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Griffin mm-hmm. Jacks has like Griffin Jacks. jumped Pagan. Griffin Jacks is reliable. You don't have to be too concerned. Griffin Jacks, number four on my pitching tree of trust for the Minnesota Twins. It's a great baseball pitcher name, too. Griffin oh. Jacks. Yeah. It's a, just a good name. Air it's Force, right? Name. Yep. Air Force. Yes. It's just Academy. a good It's a good name. Like that's a quality name. Yeah, his, no, he's. I, I don't think he's a fluke. He's reliable. His whiff rate is in the uh, 89th percentile per baseball savant. So he's getting he's getting a lot of whiffs, a lot of whiffs. So is this Get a thank you? Is this a pop up year or is this a sustainable thing that we're seeing? Do you guys think his numbers and the framework of his numbers statistically are sustainable? High strikeout rate. Decent walk rate and uh, nothing out of line in terms of, you know, 
like batted ball luck that stands out too much. Yeah. So, Griffin Jacks, I don't know that I would promote him to the highest leverage situation quite yet, but sure. he's in the mix. I mean, he's, he's like one of your three or four guys that you throw into high leverage situations right now. So, mm-hmm. so. All right. Number three, we are down to the top three on the pitching tree of trust for the Twins. Johan Doran. Um, 2.7 ERA in 21 games going into last night. Four saves, seven holds. I think it's now up to eight holds, if I'm not mistaken. Um, holds, are, holds are a weird stat. Yeah, they are. Well, all those so it's stats. Like you, you, isn't it you come into a save situation yeah. and you just record an out without giving up the lead and you get a hold, right? Yeah. Holds and, like a pretty low bar. Holds but. and saves are weird stats. Saves is the most arbitrary stat. Like, okay, if the tying run's on deck. Okay, what like what quality? Okay. I feel like the perception of that statistic has changed more than any other baseball stat not named batting average in the last ten years. I think like those two, like we have just kind of not looked at it much. Pitcher wins are are yeah. to me the top of gone the list of nobody. Okay. Looks at I'm glad you brought this up. Like last night, so Chris Archer goes four innings last night, very good four innings, and then I think Thielbar was the first guy out of the bullpen in the fifth inning. Yeah, I think. and he pitches one clean inning yep. and gets the win. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's stupid. Now, did, now did the lead? I'm trying to think. Did the lead change? Is that where the Twins took the lead for the? No, I think they the, didn't. Keep, they didn't give the lead up, right? I think they but led it's just the entire weird. It's game. Like, and if they could have been up eight to nothing, and if you pitch four innings, you don't get, you don't get credit. We, but the guy who comes in and pitches one inning gets yes. credit. It's just like what? It's ridiculous. Yes, it is. And, and pitchers should not be required to go five now. Like I or get, could, just, why don't we just get rid of the well, win as a that's, stat? If, if, that's fine you know. too. But mm-hmm. save, it was it was created a hundred well. plus years ago yeah. when guys would pitch complete games all the time. Yep. You know? All right. So now we are down to the final two, which won't surprise you. At number two, I have drum roll, please. Sunny Gray at number two, and then at number one, the opening day starter, Joe. Ryan, who I believe is going to pitch tonight, and if I'm not mistaken, Sonny Gray is going to pitch on Wednesday. So beautiful. Ryan Gray, Duran, Pagan, Jack, Smeltzer, Cotton, Archer, Ober, and Winder are my top ten. Nice. And then Frankie Montas would slot in number one, yeah. and then you know, well, find some other lights out lefty might... reliever to slot in number four. Agreed hmm? with my list? Don't agree? Hate some oh. of it? Um, I think you're pretty close here. Yeah, I don't know. Should I don't Smeltzer know that I have any disagreement. I, I would probably put Sonny Gray number one over Joe Ryan, but I, I'm not going to fight you too hard on that. Uh, I, 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 You can put Smeltzer there based on his performance so far. If we did this again in two months, I don't think Smeltzer is in your top five. In fact, we should do that. I think he's, he's probably fallen out at some I point. I like that idea. That's a good idea because I think you're probably right. Yeah, we'll put it down there. And, and Duffy then, might uh, be back. Martin Perez might slide into the top yeah. five after oh, the Twins wow. trade him. Oh, wow. Not just Dex. Don't take When's that. When's his next start? Uh, he's pitched on set. So Thursday, right? Thursday or Friday, unless okay. there's an off day mixed in. I'll, I'll give Why you are you taking this I'll so give well? you your Martin Perez update when I get back from vacation. I'll, I'll let you know how I, how I feel about him. Why don't you give us your golfing update? How, oh, yeah. how's, how's the Meadows looking these days? Oh, the Meadows is great. Meadows at Mystic Lake, just a little uh, jaunt down 169 into Prior Lake. It offers a unique, challenging, and scenic golf experience. I love the Meadows Bar and Grill the most. That's what I love because uh, after my round, I need, uh, I need a couple Surleys, I need a couple beverages to wash away that round. And also, 
Uh, they have a full-service, top-of-the-line equipment and apparel golf shop as well. Not like you're just your rinky-dink couple ball sleeves here and there. No, like a full-on apparel service. Uh, it's a great time. The Meadows at Mystic Lake. Book your tee time now. It's GolfTheMeadows.com. Book your tee time at GolfTheMeadows.com. There it is. That's the pecking order for this Tuesday. Also presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They've been around for over 100 years helping businesses maximize their success through risk management tools and resources. At Federated, they measure their success by the success of their clients, your business. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com where it's our business to protect yours. All right, there are they are, the 17 most reliable, or I guess the 17 pitchers on Judd's yeah. list ranked yes. by how reliable they are. Yes, I don't know that they are the 17 most reliable pitchers, but uh, yeah. They're probably going to need to find a couple couple other reliable arms in there if they want to sustain this. I'm going to go see Joe Ryan pitch tonight. Nice. Go shove against this underachieving Mariners team. There you go. What's wrong with them? The Mariners? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think they, you know, this. Or did they uh, overachieve last season? Well, they overachieved for sure. But then this Jared Kellenick, this their top prospect, is just flamed out again, back down in the minor leagues. Mm. Unless they called it. Did they call him a season in the lineup last night? I think mm. he's still down in triple A. Opening day, but yeah, I don't, I don't think he got off to a hot start. Struggle fest. Uh, write that down predictions on tomorrow's show and an accountability session. Over on Purple Daily, we continue our countdown of the top oh. 20 best current oh, yeah. Minnesota Vikings. Curious to see what you guys think about today's five that we unveil. We'll, uh, we'll get to it on Purple Daily. See you guys.